0: Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk EU podcast series, um, which looks at topics current in the EU current, but also sometimes some way into the future. And nowhere better, and no one with whom I should be talking this better and looking at future issues than Olivier Boutelli-Staft, CEO of Accountancy Europe. And it's been my pleasure uh, to engage in many brainstorming sessions with you over the years. Um, both pragmatic and futuristic, and that is, of course, you know your long tenure at, as, as a CEO of Accountancy Europe since 2006, leading on all questions, whether it's sustainability, um, the accountancy and audit profession, really looking at different issues of corporate governance, can we change society, how can regulation function, all these issues have passed through your brain and engaging with regulators. But since I think the last couple of years, you've also co-founded an organization called North Star Transition, which is really looking at engaging with different stakeholders, and I have the pleasure to be one of them, to really look at social issues, climate, biodiversity loss, changing finance to really work for society. Um, And in in general, be be pragmatic and putting things back the nuts with the right bolts and into the right holes, I would say. That's what I think of you um, as really figuring that out. Your key areas of expertise are strategy, sustainability, corporate governance, and European affairs. And that, of course, really goes without saying. Now, talking to Let's Talk EU, of course, CFA Institute represents that voice of the investor. We, we tend to be engaging on investor protection. We look at corporate governance, we look at markets, regulation. And these last years have been challenging for investors in terms of, do they get the right information? Is, is it reflecting the reality of the company they're investing in? Are investors engaging enough with companies or are they just sitting back passively and taking a look at financial reports? And I think that that is going to be enough. So investors, really, in the last few years, uh, not least because of all the regulations coming into being on sustainability, which is a big challenge uh, for the financial industry and companies in general. um, We're looking at different sources. We look to an audit committee, the auditor, the regulator. Uh, We look at general company information, financial reports, sustainability information. But we rely on these intermediaries to actually provide us with the information we want. And when I talk to investors, they say to me, Well, we want we want it simple. We don't want you know many different forms of reports. We want one report that reflects accurately the state of the company and where where the risks and, and, and possibilities lie. And if you look at current research with, for example, climate change. An NGO in London found that 70% of the listed companies they covered in this research, which were about 107 companies globally, representing the largest carbon polluters, they saw that the external auditors are still not fully accounting for climate-related risks and financial statements. It is complex. It's a very complex world. So in recent years, of course, and I, I went into it a little bit before, Regulation has come about challenging companies, challenging auditors, challenging regulators, boards, to provide that correct information that investors need. The Wirecard uh, scandal was a lesson both for regulators, for auditors, for companies, for investors. How, uh, How can we take that lesson on board? And it was unusual, Olivier, in that... The Wirecard scandal was actually mentioned in Capital Markets Union Action Plan point 0.2, which is a highly unusual occasion for the EU Commission to refer to it. But I think it was a lesson to be learned, let aside the, the the scandal. I think it really is, what does that show us that we need in terms of reform to strengthen corporate governance and audit rules across Europe? And I think you are really ideally placed to, to comment on, on that.
1: Thank you very much, Rosina, uh, for your kind introduction. Um, I suppose that if I had to introduce you for a podcast, I would say pretty similar things, actually. So many, many thanks for uh, having me today. Uh, it's always been a pleasure to engage with you and CFA, I think, because we share this forward-looking, you know, perspective. And you said that last years have been challenging for investors, but for everybody in reality. And I'll tell you, my view is that the forthcoming years will be even more challenging. And you mentioned the importance of sustainability, uh, both on my personal agenda, but also for all of us, I think, here. Just to start on this note, uh, I think on sustainability and the climate challenge, the one thing that we know for certain is that we are going to live in a highly unpredictable, rapidly changing, disruptive world. And interestingly, as if this was not going to be enough, we're adding huge new challenges Uh, of a geostrategic nature, that interestingly also are bound through energy to uh, the sustainability challenge. And all that is going to add up to create a world in which we can't predict anymore and in which we need to be ready, I think, for anything. So having said that, Uh, You started, uh, interestingly, uh, reminding us of the Wirecard scandal, very interesting, you know, starting point for a conversation on EU reforms. We don't yet have something on the table, but we have a lot of thoughts. OK, you've seen the consultation that the European Commission issued uh, recently to uh, look at these issues. And, And I think and I share. I think, with uh, you and with the commission approach, the importance of taking a holistic systemic perspective on the matter. So I think you're very, very right in mentioning management, the board, the audit committee of the board, the auditors, and we at Accounts Europe have been working you know, quite intensively and for a long time On how the role of the auditor needs to evolve, how we need to do more, and what more we need to do to not only discharge our duties toward investors, but towards society at large, I think. And what I think is also interesting is that the Urban Commission, as well as you and me, I'm sure, have not forgotten regulators and supervisors because you know, in all honesty, we can dream of whatever reform we want. It will not work unless each of these elements that we've mentioned is actually changing. And if I would be, you know, if I would wanna be a little bit challenging, I would say that investors need to change as well because at the root cause I think of, you know, uh, the wire card uh, issue, and interestingly also to my view, at the root cause of the sustainability challenge we find one thing and this one thing is called greed and i think uh, we we are going to uh, have to learn to live in a world where greed can't be the driving factor anymore we're on the verge of having exhausted natural resources we have totally disrupted climate but also other conditions that make this planet livable. And I think if we want to continue having you know, a planet on which we live, we're going to have to change all that in a very, very short time frame. So for investors, that is also going to mean change. And that means that, to my view, they will have to take a very different perspective on return on investment. It can't be all about money anymore. These days are gone. We don't see it. We don't want to see it. But they're gone already without letting us know. We're just lagging behind, I think.
0: So I'm going to go back to the Middle Ages. In the Middle Ages, Ages, kings didn't hesitate to start building cathedrals, which they fully well knew they wouldn't see the glory of. It might have taken 200, and some in some cases, it took more than 200 years mm-hmm. to build a cathedral. And nowadays, when we look around us in the European Quarter in Brussels, we build buildings that may last 10 years, 15 years. And so I, I do entirely agree with you. Greed is at the heart of many of the issues that have come up, not least since the financial crisis, but also before then. And greed affects everybody who is a stakeholder in that financial industry, in that economy, and that we do need to look longer term uh, is absolutely essential. But I would say, and you you mentioned it, we have this one planet and we are, um, it's a finite world. And I think we always were focused on the fact that it wasn't finite, we were always growing, GDP always had to grow. Well, I think we're not in a growth scenario anymore, we're in a hopefully conservation, at the very best and that is a big challenge so investing in and using savings of retail investors and representing retail investors into more sustainable investment into companies that have to show they practice what they preach and i think this is one of the big issues for boards and for anybody who is who is working with boards but also sort of the order the accountants is to really show what is the reality And not to shy away from uh, showing negative issues, because ultimately, the more honest we are, the more we're going to help build that sustainable world. So do you think that companies are changing in terms of feeling that responsibility? Or is it still very much sort of let's let's greenwash a little bit what we have and that is enough? Where, Where do you think we are?
1: Well, I, first of all, I, I can't refrain from reacting to a reference to cathedrals. Actually, uh, you might remember not not very long ago, one of the cathedrals in Paris burned, and on the day after the fire in Notre Dame, President Macron proudly announced that in five years everything would be back to normal. I think we're going to have to learn what time is and what time means, and we're very far from that. So do companies take into account? I would actually not only look at companies. I would, let, you know, include policymakers. I would include advisors. I would include regulators. I would also include investors. Uh, do we look at the long term? Well, if we plan to repair a cathedral in five years, we're not. If we look at climate change, uh, but you know, uh, an issue on which we have had scientific evidence for more than 40 years. Some even say 70 years. It's only recently, very recently, that it's heading you know, uh, the news all the time and that it is on everybody's mind. Here in our little bubble in Brussels, here in highly informed policy circles, but get out of these circles, go into the boardroom, and look at you know, the level of not awareness, I would say something I would call deep awareness, real understanding of the science behind climate and the consequences that it is going to trigger, what it really means, right? I think we're very far away from it. So you know, next to saying, but we, we, we have to be fair and we can't, Put all companies into the same pot. Okay. Uh, there is not such you know, an homogeneous world called business companies. Uh, it is highly fragmented with absolutely admirable companies trying to do the right thing uh, and uh, some CEOs actually getting fired for doing the right thing. Why? Because it frustrates the appetite for short-term wins of a number of investors. So again, you know, as uh, I answered your question on uh, the aftermath of the Wirecard scandal, and I outlined that what is absolutely necessary is a systemic approach, I think exactly the same is true here. We're gonna to have to change everything and everyone will have to change. So what does that mean for, you know, if we go one level down and try to be a little bit more concrete and we look at reporting, for instance, you know, the job that accountants do for investors, right? Well, I, you know, I sometimes had the feeling talking to uh, investors in particular that, you know, yes, everybody wants something simple. Everybody wants something that, you know, holds in a few pages. That is a one-report approach, but it also has to be all-inclusive to cater for the uh, needs and dreams of absolutely everyone, Uh, and these needs and dreams are different, let's be honest, okay? Uh, So it is a very difficult, uh, you know, not to crack uh, in a way. And at Accounts Europe, we've been doing quite a lot of work. Uh, on that since probably about 10 years uh, with a seminar report uh, a few years ago on the future of corporate reporting where we were already talking about these issues, talking about the need for double materiality, talking about leveraging technology to try to better uh, uh, integrate reporting, talking about how we need now to maybe take you know, uh, uh, a, a sort of twin track approach with a main report and uh, all further details but various investors and not only investors, because we need to take a, to talk about stakeholders will actually need. Um, and there's a lot of work that needs still to be done. And I'm not always sure, but we will find, but also we're. Trying to find the magic bullet that will address all these quite conflicting demands in reality.
0: Yeah, you you raise you say this you know all these conflicting events and, of course, I mean we're living through two major events outside events that we never thought we would be living through. One was COVID, which nobody caught everybody short. Nobody was ready for this. But the other one is the war in ukraine we didn't think we would see a, a physical war in europe and i think it's 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 you know it's 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 caused us a lot of reflection not only because of um, in esg you know on the social side and the governance side um the way we look at war the way we look at how companies are are performing in in war whether they sell to forbidden countries whether they produce things whether guns are socially acceptable, all these things are coming back into the fore and we thought we had passed this stage. And to come then to what the European Commission is introducing, which is double materiality, and let's be a little bit technical here, Uh, double materiality always sounds very, you know, far away from what what, what does it really mean. Um, What it means is that firms should report not only on how sustainability matters, um, impact on the organisation, but also the impact of the company activities on people and the environment, uh, and that is a really new concept. It's something that is hotly debated. I would say, what what do you think about this? Do you think it is it's viable? Do you think what what are the issues with this? Um, can can we achieve it?
1: I think it, it's a very interesting concept, uh, but. If I really speak my mind, Josina, I think it's a little bit belated uh, because it is a necessity to look at both the impact that sustainable, the sustainability challenges, plural, at large, will have on the, on the company and to also look at the impact that companies have on uh, these various sustainability challenges. True. And why, why do we need that? We need that because we have a highly imperfect price system that totally ignores the externalities, the negative externalities that we create, okay? So the cost on people's life, the cost on pollu- of pollution, uh, the cost of water scarcity, the cost of overconsumptions of all sorts, Is just not factored into our price system. So we have a highly imperfect dysfunctional price slash information system. On this double materiality approach is an attempt, I would say, uh, to look uh, at both both aspects, uh, impact uh, that companies will suffer from and impacts that companies create great now i would say great 20 years ago but now i personally believe that these two will growingly and rapidly align because take a number of examples i mean the heart of the problem is our overconsumption, over extractivity of natural resources. And without natural resources, there is no business. There is no such thing as you know, a service sector, an IT sector, an advisory sector that is disconnected from industry and extractivity. This is an entire system that we have to look at. And while there is much debate right now triggered uh, by the war in Ukraine that you referred to, uh, and, and I think we all need to think about these people suffering on the bombs right now uh, you know, in the 21st century. But I think it is triggering very interesting reactions on oil and gas, right? Because if you look at that, in even in a short historical period, oil and gas have never before been as subsidized as they are today. Was that the answer that we were expecting? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. And while there is continued focus on oil and gas, I think we're totally forgetting with this focus on climate and oil and gas, we're, we're totally ignoring you know, equally big defining and vital challenges on other natural resources. Think about, you know, things like very basic things like, you know, copper, for instance. We're not going to have this interview without copper and we are gradually running out of copper. And I could go on for another hour, if you'd like, looking at other resources than oil and gas that we're running out of.
0: Agreed. And I think that comes back to the idea that we we have to measure the fact that we live in a finite world and growth is just, you know, we, we have to look at different things than growth. Um, so I'm, I'm going to. I'm, if, yes. if I can just bring
1: these back to double materiality. OK, uh, I think the point I'm trying to make here or to illustrate here is that. You know financial and sustainability material will inevitably merge and merge very rapidly because of the impact we're having on natural resources which will you know very quickly have financial uh, impacts on companies
0: yes I, i i i quite i quite agree so in that in that hugely challenging world Um, What should be the role of the Board of Directors? Um, What new duties and responsibilities should the Board have towards investors, of course, which I represent?
1: Well, I was going to say it depends, right? Uh, uh, And and I find it quite interesting how people still, you know, uh, uh, look at this it depends answer in optimistic or pessimistic terms. That is very subjective. I don't think you need to be an optimist or a pessimist. I think you just need to look at the facts. Okay. And I think 20 years ago, uh, the role of the board of directors should have been, should have been, right, to adapt the business model of companies to meet these sustainability challenges and gradually change their business model to be more sustainable in their consumption of resources and start identifying new ways of making money, then then pushing consumers to overconsume and uh, increasing extraction of natural resources. To my view, that was 20 years ago. That's what in those days we called sustainable development. If I look at the science today, and again, this is not being pessimistic or optimistic. If I look at science today, uh, what it tells me on the role of the board today, I think it is adaptation. It is making sure that my companies and my stakeholders will survive these unpredictable challenges and shortage of resources and the wars that they trigger. So it is a totally new uh, new challenge, I think, for boards. And it is so big and so challenging that very naturally, we just don't want to look at it.
0: I agree. And <clears throat> when we look at that adaptability um, in, in what we've been researching in CFA Institute and looking at the future of the investment profession and of investment in, in general, um, we, we see that life requires a portfolio approach. When I say portfolio, I mean, there needs to be huge diversity. So boards of directors need to have very big diversity. We've come out with a diversity and inclusion code for for North America and Canada, uh, for for investment management. But in general, I would say diversity is is lacking. And I I go back, Olivier, to the start of my career in, in investment banking. When I joined um, an investment firm in London, uh, everybody had studied everything, maybe history, archaeology, whatever, but not economics. And now we rely on people just studying very narrowly and think that that's going to change the way we look at the world. And of course, we need this whole new world needs to have very many different opinions, many different perspectives so that we can with each one uh, having the same weight. And I think that is a challenge to make sure that we enable that change management. I'm going to come to my last point. And I know that um, my editor of the podcast is is probably biting at, at, at the teeth for the long podcast, but this is a very important topic. And, and my last question to you, uh, but we're going to have to be not very long on it, I'm afraid, Olivier, uh, is looking at sort of the way... Um, Regulation and and standards have been moving from the narrow, let's say, at the EU level to a global level with the creation by the IFRS of the International Sustainability, Sustainability Standards Board, ISSB, which is now expected to deliver a very comprehensive global baseline of sustainability disclosures. Do you think that we can achieve a global view, global standards? Do you think this is possible, or are we too ambitious at this stage? And maybe it's possible later.
1: I would hope we can. I'm not sure we can. Okay. What I think we need to do here is recognize that, uh, yes, the issue is global. Although sometimes it has very local consequences. And if you look at things like water, it tends to be a fairly local and global issue. Uh, If you look at reporting on social issues and governance, it tends to be quite dependent on the diversity of cultures uh, around this beautiful blog. Corporate governance in Russia doesn't seem to be exactly the same thing as corporate governance in the United Kingdom, which is different from corporate governance in France, right? So uh, I think it is going to be difficult. Nonetheless, we need to try. And while I think we have to acknowledge that Europe uh, as the leading uh, region in the world on these challenges, and I do think we have to pray, uh, to praise uh, the uh, leadership uh, the European Union uh, and the Commission in particular on these matters. I would probably praise a little less for member states, but uh, that's just my view. Uh, I, I think it is important that these particular specific needs and ambition to be you know, more demanding are respected and taken into account. But at the same time, we need a global baseline we need absolutely to avoid uh, conflicts, contradictions, uh, uh, and even small differences for investors, actually, in you know, the different porting standards. Is that achievable? Well, I think there is a very simple thing, and it is precisely simplicity. So I know, you know we can't satisfy the demands and dreams of all investors. But I think it is absolutely critical today to keep these new sustainability reporting standards as simple as possible and not fall into a sort of academic exercise that is seeking perfection and exhaustivity. Time is over. We don't have time for that anymore. What we need urgently is a simple indication of how companies from one year to another are changing their business model.
0: And you said it. We have no more time, no more time in this podcast, even though I could have gone on, but no more time to prevaricate. Um, the time is for action. And I think that is uh, really, I mean, Pope, Pope Francis um, has, has called to action before even we started regulating and has been very active on this and i think it's interesting to see the different stakeholders engaging on this which we didn't think so thank you very much Olivier. it's been extremely interesting we could have gone on and maybe i'll, I'll call you back for another chat uh, in, in in another podcast because we really could keep on brainstorming and you've been very pragmatic and realistic but also dare to think outside the box and i enjoy that so much with you To my listeners, we will be continuing, of course, this series with further looks at corporate governance. It is very much a very actual issue in the EU and also of importance for other regions. Investor protection will be also coming along. We have the retail agenda coming along in the third quarter of this year, where we'll be looking at retail investors. You've probably seen a previous podcast of mine on SPACs, which again was looking at whether uh, retail investors really want to invest in SPACs. Are they fit for purpose for the retail investors or not? Do do comment on the podcast through my LinkedIn. Um, do connect to me. Suggest ideas for next podcast. I'm always open to this, and I enjoy very much taking on new challenges. But for now, thank you very much, Olivier. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Josina. Thank you.